Once again, pianist, you're phenomenal. Do you play by ear too? Not much, just notes. You probably could. You just haven't been forced to, probably. But oh, um, man, she could play. I like good piano. I like good piano playing music. I can't. Uh, for how I grew up in church, everything nobody had. To, we couldn't read music or nothing, you know. And I was about, I don't know, ten year old. You know, we sung. My family sung all my life, and we sung a cappella. Didn't have music, and then. As I got older, you know, my mom, she had a guitar. She never played it. I still got that thing. It's an old, pe uh, cheap piece of junk, really. But I just keep fixing it, you know. Every time it's break, broken, breaking that guy up there that uh, builds guitars now, he's got it now. But I sat down and tried to play that thing. And I went to about one guitar lesson. You know, and he wanted me to learn. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes, and I wanted to play Leonard Skinner. So I never went back. I mean, he was just too too slow for me. You know, he was he was missing. You know, I was I was wanting to play Sweet Home Alabama. My mom would come downstairs. She say, she said to me, I'll never forget it. And uh, she said to me, she said, "What are you learning?" I didn't want to tell her. And I was playing, it, and she sat down with me, and she we started strumming, and she started playing. And she said, "Okay, we're going to learn a song." And uh, it was that. Uh, how did it go? Now we'll draw. My strength from Jesus as I lay upon his breast. There's only two chords in that song. So in five minutes, learned my first song, and it wasn't Leonard Skinner. It was a good gospel song. But uh, last time we were here, we talked a little bit about deception, about how, how beautiful it is, how it entertains our flesh, and how we want that, you know, just... Uh, those desires, those things that, uh, that guys, it's just, it, it's not what the Christian life's about. It's not. Uh, and that, that's so sad, too, because you know, so many people, are, uh, they believe it, you know, with all their hearts. That, you know, it, it's about getting back after you've put in, and, and that's not it. Guys, it's about Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate price. He put everything in. You don't have to. Just put your faith and trust in him. And then no matter what the world has to offer in that, guys, it's about Christ and Him first. If that means you are a millionaire, be a millionaire for the cause of Christ. If that means you got nothing, you're no different than the millionaire. Be what you are for the cause of Christ. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. That's the only reason I can stand here and say, Blake started reading that scripture. Man, I love that, the true vine. When he says abide right here, the, the, the Greek, when you get into the study of that, it's talking about build your tent right here. That's what he's saying. He's not saying just show up on Sunday and be something. No, he's saying build your house. Abide right here. Stay right here. Pitch your tent. Everything that you are, let it be around this central location. That's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Stay right here because he is the true vine. And you read that scripture and you go through that and, you, and it goes into the, the fruits Anybody done produce fruit? He cuts it off and he cuts them off and then he, he cuts back. Notice something in that scripture though, Blake. Everybody gets cut, don't they? Just catch that. If you're not real, you get cut off. But if you are real, you get cut back to produce more fruit. Go over to Galatians and read the fruits of the Spirit. And right there where he says the fruit, everywhere where it says fruit in John chapter 14, replace that with one of the fruits of the Spirit. It'll, it, it's so good. And anybody who doesn't produce love 
he cuts off. Anybody who's not producing enough love, he cuts it back so you can produce more love. Place every one of those in that, in that thing. That's what the Christian walks about. I wish I could say that if you were saved, you'll never have any troubles or heartaches or um, misleading or, or bad times or no flat tires, but I can't say that. But I can say this, he's worthy. We sung about it. I can say this, that it's the best life you'll ever live is sold out for Christ, and that means regardless of everything else going on outside of you. I mean, guys, I, I grew up, and uh, I thank God for my raising. Um, my granddad's a missionary all his life. He never had anything, anything he ever had in the state. Somebody give to him. Uh, he never had a job, full-time job. All he did was work a little odd and end things to pay for the trips to go. He spent his entire life on the mission field. And when he got down in his health and his sickness and he had nothing, uh, my other grandparents on my dad's side, he'd come back to the States because he, his health was failing, and they give him a car to drive around, and I mean, they give him a Cadillac. And I mean, he was so proud of that car, you know, and, and it was a gift. He never paid for nothing because he never had anything. He's the happiest individual I've ever been around in my life. I say that. He didn't have this junk that we deal with. I mean, all he talked about, too, I mean, he got to the point where he couldn't walk, he couldn't go. Every time he went somewhere or did anything, it, it was, it was a, you had to get a big bus and two or three people to help. And, I mean, he just, his health failed. He had Lou Gehrig's disease. And all he would talk about was like, man, if I could just get better, just for a little bit, I want to go back to the mission field one more time. I was like, Papa, you know, I can remember thinking about that. Man, you're, your health's so bad, you're not going. He said, all I want to do is go one more time. That's a life that we should be. I read uh, a couple things, and I want to share today. Uh, Blake about got me hung up and I about preached that. Uh, that's okay. That's, that's, that's good. Gosh, you don't get no better than that. I want to be right there. I want to build my camp right there on Jesus Christ, the blood, and him crucified, guys. That, that, that's the only thing. That, that's eternal. This is temporal. Uh, it, it bears no weight eternally. And that, that, that's, that, that's such a good scripture to just hang your hat on. But I, I, I watched, I read into a, a couple things that I want to share today. And, uh, and then I watched a, an interview of a young man. And this is what kind of got my thought pattern going in this direction. Uh, because, I mean, I'm, I've been in Peter for forever. And I just, I mean, I, I, I feel like I've got through chapter one. And I, I go back. And uh, if, if people at Bethlehem, especially in our, our Bible study classes or our Wednesday nights in the classes, I mean, we, we, we just get stuck on stuff and we just stay there because, I mean, the Bible's so helpful if we'll just, like, read it and live by it and ask God to, to show us through the Bible. He's giving us the instructions uh, right here in this book. And I, I was watching an interview of a guy, and it was a, he, he won an award of some, of some, I don't know what the award was. I, didn't, I wasn't really paying attention until it got to this part, and then I really started paying attention. Well, they asked him, in these interviews, and these young people, you know, they try to say things, and you got an interviewer, and he always asks these questions. And he's like, how was, you know, growing up in East Tennessee like? You know, and you've got a 17, 18-year-old boy trying to explain. And, and it's, it's, some things have weight, some things don't have weight. But he got to a point, he's like, uh, what was it like growing up uh, in, in Teleco Plains? And he's like, this and he, here's what he said. He says, good. He says, great community, surrounded by good people. And he says, man, you know, and, uh, and I grew up in a family that, that lives and serves Jesus Christ. So then now I'm, you know, dialed in now. And so that guy's like, okay, you, you, your faith, you know, your faith. Oh, you know, a lot of people attribute a lot of things to their faith, which wasn't what he said. <laughs> Although without faith, it's impossible to please God. But what he said was the name Jesus Christ. 
That, that, that's what he put out there. A lot of people talk about God and my faith. You just, you know, turn to, oh, that's so special. Oh, you know, pat on the back. Good for you. No, he said Jesus Christ. That changes everything. Because he said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man is going anywhere, doing anything apart from him. Blake just preached part of that too. I mean, it's about Jesus. And he said that name, Jesus Christ. And it just, I mean, it done me so good to hear that because you just don't hear that much anymore. Everybody's, oh, my faith, my faith, my faith. And they just describe my faith. But he described it as Jesus Christ. So then he said something again about in his interview and the young man's dad had died. And he said uh, something about, you know, well, you know, that hardship in your life, how was that, you know, people. And he goes again, had it not been for Jesus Christ, I'm listening and I'm ready, I'm telling you. I, it wasn't a call-in show, I would have. And then when I answered the phone, I'd said, praise God! And I hung that phone up. It's about Jesus. It's, it's, it's not some monkey junk that you've written or some guy wrote a book. It's all about Jesus, period. And we got away from that because we got so many principles given in the church. And we got so many self-help books. And we got so many things. Now, here's how to be successful on your job. Here's, how about we sell out for Christ and he changes us? That's not what the Bible says. Quit putting the weight on yourself and allow Jesus to change you. He says, it's about Jesus Christ when my dad died. Woo! And then he gets going again. If there was one person that you would say that you looked up to, well, who would it be? And the boy sat there. I mean, he wasn't trying to be, you know, Mr. Christian fancy pants or something. He's not. He had nothing else to say. He said, I, man, I don't know. He's, he said, I'm just in love with Jesus Christ. Hey, young people, that's all right. That's all right. That your role model ain't Michael Jordan. That's fine. That's some major league baseball player, some football player, some billionaire, some rich. When you go around all this room and you look at all these people, who do you look up to? It's, it, it all has to do with success, fame, and money. But I'm here to tell you, young people, it's all right. That Jesus Christ is all that matters to you. Hey, if that makes you weird, don't worry about it. They hated Jesus on before they ever hated us. That's what the Bible says. He says, you know, they don't like you. They don't hear what you got to say. But they hated me before they hated you. And he said, you know, it's an amazing thing, too. You know, he often talk about peace and peace and peace and peace. But Jesus said, I didn't bring peace, more or less. But, guys, I brought division. Why? Because when you put us in a lot of the Scripture, in a lot of Christ, we have nothing to hang our hat on except Christ him crucified. It's not your way. It's his way. But this young man on this interview, I mean, he proclaimed the name of Jesus and here, here's my point. Here's where we're going to go, just for a little while. What's in you is going to come out. Everybody all right with that? You may fake it a while. You may get along a pretty good while. I mean, you know, once upon a time, I, I, you know, I tried to ride bicycles. That ain't in me. I'm 300 pounds. You know, who am I kidding? They don't sell seats big enough uh, for me. You know what I'm saying? My point is, like, who you really are, it's going to come out, guys. What you are, your actions on the outside will point to the inside and your core beliefs from the inside and what you are, either made yourself or Christ has made in you, is going to come out on the outside. Those two are parallel. They work together. One is not separate from the other. You may play with one longer than the other. You may accuse one. You may show up in church and look like one. You may be some. But those two go together. I want to say it again. What's on the outside will point to what's on the inside. And what's on the inside 
will point to what's on the outside. That's true saying. Um, you know, I, I, I had friends that uh, I grew up with, and it's a scary thought and a scary thing. And uh, I think about it often because when I was in Sunday school and as I was in Sunday school and all of us grew up together I mean I'm not the only person that was born in McMahon County my age there's a whole lot of other people born my age and I went to Sunday school with them I seen them with my own eyes but they're not here they're not here and and, and I hear so many things about you know they talk about well this generation's this or this generation's that somebody raised us Somebody raised this generation. Somebody's raising the next generation. Guys, and it's a sad, scary thing to look around and see all these guys that I went to Sunday school with. I went to vacation Bible school. We went on mission trips. We were in the youth group, and it was a pile of people. As long as the fun was happening, everybody was there. As long as there's a group having fun, having their plans. Be very cautious of that, not to put Christ first. Because now I sit here as a 35-year-old and all those guys, all those girls, I know where some of them's at. I don't know where the rest of them's at. You say, well, they could have moved out of state. They could, they could have done a lot of things. But I know a whole bunch of them that don't even darken the doors of a church. They don't even come. They're not part of us. They don't sit among us. They don't cry with They don't work with us. They don't call out with us. I don't believe in a, in a salvation, in a, in a gospel of Jesus Christ that says you can just come, say a prayer any way you want, and then go live your life the way you want to live it. It does not work that way. You want one thing to know that you know that you're saved? Just go read 1 John. It's you love the brethren. You love to be here at church. Guys, if you don't want to come to church and people who don't, that's a direct indication of their heart because what's on the inside shows up on the outside. And vice versa. So we got people who, who claim Christ. Oh, I got saved when I was a kid, but they're not here. I got saved when I was a kid, but nothing in our lifestyle would point you to that direction. Just like the young man in the interview. I can't help. What, what was it they told him? They said, quit talking about Jesus. They said, we can't help it. That's what this young man had. He was so influenced by the one and only true God that he has nothing else to talk about. Boy, I want that for my life. That's real. That's stuff that lasts. It's knowing what you are and opposed to the light of Christ and knowing what He is and what He's done for you. That'll change your heart. That'll change your life. I was watching an interview today of a 17-year-old young man, and I'm telling you, God helped me. It makes me want to live for Him. It makes me want to do. It makes me not grow weary in well-doing because it's worth it. Guys, it's worth it to see the generations after you that just maybe something that God did in you is going to stay here. And I've got news for everything that is spirit and truth will get passed on. That number may get smaller and smaller and smaller, but it's going to happen. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. I'll read a couple passages of Scripture. And I'll read a couple more out of uh, Peter. He said we've been studying in Peter. Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians. Y'all know the Scripture that says uh, God's not mocked. Uh, what you sow, you're going to reap. And, and, and that's a true statement. A lot of us look at that, and a lot of preachers have preached that in a, in a negative way. Like, you know, when you sow to corruption, you reap the flesh. But guys, understand, too, that when you sow to the Spirit, you, you reap life everlasting. That works in both, both ways. Uh, and that's, that goes along with what we're talking about. Like, what's on the inside is going to come out, and what's on the outside is a reflection of what's inside. Understand that, like, what you are 
all the good things reap to the Spirit. All the bad things you know, reap to the flesh. It's not all bad. It's not, uh, understand that grace is, is, is amazing. <laughs> Somebody wrote a song about it once. But understand that it is mercy and in His grace and what He's given to us. Uh, the law, don't live your life by the law. So I'm giving you a background kind of Galatians because the law only exposes sin. The law is not the cure for sin. So the law exposes our state in what we are. But it wasn't the cure for it. Jesus Christ was the cure for that sin. And so for us, it's still living. You don't have to live by the law. That's what I'm saying. When, you, when he died, he died for your sin. He gives you freedom from your sin. You can put your weight in him, not in the law. Because if you believe and love and trust in the law, it's going to bring on a self-reflection where you get puffed up if you accomplish something. Here's my point. Pharisees would walk around outside with their eyes closed. And that way they wouldn't see no sinful thing. And then they'd get bruises on their body and they'd brag on things. Oh, Brother, did you get a bruise on your leg? Yeah. I was walking around my eyes closed. You know, I don't want to see no sin. Oh, bless your heart. That's the point of it. They're getting puffed up. The law will never redeem. Never redeem. Jesus Christ came and he fulfilled the law. Why? Because he's the redeemer. So it's not based off your actions to get into heaven. It's based off of his and what he did when he saved your life. Galatians chapter 5, it's the freedom that we have in Christ. Let's take up uh, our reading. No, chapter 6. Go to chapter 6, I'm sorry. Chapter 6, one page over. Right here he's talking about uh, in the Jews and the Jewish people and about the fact of being circumcised. And it was that mark that was on the outward appearance that they put. They said you can be saved, but you also have to be circumcised. And it put weight on works as opposed to grace through faith. It's faith alone. And, th and they couldn't let go of this because they wanted people to see them on the outside. And they got puffed up in it. And they would brag on what they had done and how they had accomplished things. It's just like the rich young ruler. You know, every time he said, he says, you know, what must I do to have life eternal? He said, well, keep the commandments. And the guy jumps up and says, oh, I've done that. No, you haven't. We don't accomplish that, guys. It's Christ who accomplished that within us. It's Him who makes us stay. It's Him who allows us to abide right here. And without Him, you can't accomplish it. And what's on the inside, which should be Jesus, will reflect to what's on the outside. And if on the outside all we see is some works form of salvation, it'll reflect the inside and it won't last. So let's, let's take up our reading in verse uh, 12. Verse 12. Galatians chapter 6, verse 12. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh... They can, that, that is so dangerous. i got to stop. That, that is so dangerous. This is the worst. As many desire, it, it, this is the worst ditch. I mean to get in. Gosh, this is the, to self-righteousness. To do things so people will see what you're doing. Uh, not, not to do things for the cause of Christ. The Bible talks about not let the left hand know what the right hand is. It's like, don't do things for a fair show in your flesh. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm church folk. I've been church folk all my life. And they'll call on people to pray, and, and I mean, they'll pray and say words that long. Ain't nobody understands them. Who's that edifying? It's yourself. I mean, I, I've stood and listened to people stand up behind pulpits and in their pews and talk about everything they've done for Jesus today like he needed them. And it edifies our flesh. It's the most dangerous. It's the most dangerous. I've walked into to houses with lost drunks. They'll tell you I'm lost and I'm a drunk. 
I mean, those were almost his exact words. And for about 30 minutes, he listened to the good news of the gospel. And then I've walked into houses and say things. They, they got some, some prayer when they got saved. Their daddy was a preacher. Some other thing. You can't witness to them. They know more than you. This is the most dangerous one. It's about showing of your flesh. Guys, I'm nothing. I can't be anything greater than what God's called me to be. And if my mentality gets to that point, I'm dying in myself. And I'm not going to last that long at it. Because if you are for you, it's going to come out. It's going to show. You're, you're not going to outrun it. God, don't, it's not, God's not mocked. What you sow, you're going to reap. You're not going to outrun it. It's the most dangerous one. As many as desire to make that pair show, to be something. They constrain you to do the same thing. And y'all know the saying, misery loves company, right? Somebody who's headed down the wrong path, they don't want to go down by themselves. They want to drag other people down with them. Only unless they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Here's what separates it. They would get circumcised so they wouldn't be persecuted. They would get circumcised. They would participate. So they wouldn't get persecuted. What, 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 what for us? What for us? What right now are we doing? Are we participating in or lack thereof so nobody can say anything? It's so dangerous. It's like to be persecuted. What well, separates things, don't it? And I can't help it. Like when I read my Bible and I think about the New Testament saints and Jesus Christ. The most holiest man that ever lived, he couldn't get along with the world. Why? Because the world hated him. Why? Because the world hates righteousness. And it's like they, they would go along with these things because they didn't want to get persecuted. Gosh, I pray. Guys, it's, it's getting to a point. I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to sit up here and try to prophesy or something. But man, just look at, turn your television on. Being a Christian ain't cool no more. Being a Christian ain't cool no more. I preach in... in, in God allows me to go to several different churches and preach the gospel, and I'm so thankful for that. But I'm going to tell you that the, the amount of people that God allows me to go and preach to, a lot of them are, are older than me. Nobody's younger than me anymore, hardly. Why? Wow, because being a Christian, guys, it, it, it ain't cool. And it's getting to a point now where, man, it's, you're going to suffer more and more persecution. I just pray. And God's got a remnant, and he's in control, and I'm not taking away what he can do. He can move mountains with the faith of a mustard. He can do anything he wants to do. But a lot of people are taking that step back because they don't want to ruffle the feathers. Isn't it amazing how you can send up for anything in this country and people will go along with it except Christianity? I ain't off the mark, am I? You can, you can present anything. And somebody, will, will, especially on social media, I love that. And you get on social media and you can present anything unless you're a Christian. And I mean, you'll be bombarded. You know why? Because Christianity is exclusive. It's not inclusive. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that's why the world hates us. And nobody wants to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Verse 13, for neither they themselves who are circumcised, they can't keep the law. All that that we try to do on the outside to make people think that we're... Let me say something, guys. The life in Christ is a battle. It is a warfare. But the victory is won in Christ. You can't work your way through it. He died so you don't have to. And these, the, the, the push to be churchy, the, the push to do things, he says they can't even keep up with it. 
Guys, because what's on the outside will reflect what's on the inside. But the desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. It gets to a point where it's, it's, it's just all about the show. And it's not about Jesus. 14, here we go. But God forbid, but God forbid that I should glory. He says, look guys, I've got nothing to brag about. Save in the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me. Not the world in the sense of Jesus Christ dying for the world. It's talking about the sin nature of the world. The world that we're born into and born alike to. It's the world that we all came in full of trouble. Nobody was born good except Jesus Christ. You're a few days and you mess it up. Just look at the history of mankind and everything that we've become. When you turn a man over to his own thoughts, his own wills, and his own ways, it leads to destruction. But God forbid, i got nothing to brag about. All I have for the world to see and to change the world is what's on the inside that should reflect on the outside. And it's Jesus Christ. I can't brag in things that I've done because I'm nothing. I can't help Apostle Paul says, I know this, nothing in me is good, not one good thing. I'm a bag of rags. But Jesus in me is what caused me to be a child of the God. The Apostle Paul says, you know what I want to do good? I can't do it. I can't do it. I find myself wanting to do good, but then evil is always present. That's the warfare of the nature that we're in. That's the warfare. That's what it is, guys. That's an example so when we walk this path and we live this life and nothing ever hinders us, that doesn't line up with the Bible. I was reading a book about warfare and World War II and World War I just, just kind of, because I've often sat there and thought about these generals. and these, I mean, lives are at stake. People are going to die. Uh, countries are at stake. I mean, just the magnitude that, that I cannot wrap my mind around. God help me. And, and thank God for the men who've done that and were successful and it's only by the grace of God but as I look into the decisions that they made based off of men that would die based off of positions that would be lost uh, based off of retreats based off, and all those decisions that they made that were concerning all those people all those people I don't see how you make those I mean I, I don't see how you get to it I don't, I don't see but they made those decisions and it was for the greater of the group. Those decisions weren't based off of one man. Those decisions weren't based off, here's my point. What you're going through right now, what you're going through, you don't even know what God's using that to. What you're struggling with right now, and you may not even told nobody. Nobody may not even see it. We, we may just keep it to you. You may have got diagnosed with cancer last week. And you've just, people have been praying for you. It don't matter. What you're going through right now is not, may not be just based off of you. How the outside is portrayed is what God uses to change lives. What's on the outside is what God uses to bring people to his honor and his glory. But God in the cross of our Lord Jesus, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, circumcision don't matter. Nor uncircumcision. But it's about being a new creature. As many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy. 
and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with your spirit, and amen. Notice where the marks were bore. Where were the guys? He says, I don't have to put on anything. That's what Paul said. I don't have to make a show of my flesh. I, I don't have to present like I'm something that I'm not. He says, because I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And guys, what's on the inside will reflect to the outside. A life in the gospel of Jesus Christ will reflect on the outside of Jesus Christ. A couple more things. We're going to go. Go to 2 Peter, 1 Peter, 2nd, no, 1 Peter. I'm going to read this real fast. 1 Peter chapter 2. And right here what he says, right here, he's talking to them. And, and, and when Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross, he died for everybody. And uh, one of the things that we've been talking about is that show in your flesh. And it all ties back to Judaism and the fact that Jews couldn't just relinquish the thought. They were blinded because uh, it was for them. They were God's chosen people. They thought that's the way it should be, going to be. And uh, they could never get grace. They could never get faith because it took away action. And they couldn't point to themselves. And it just points to Christ. It's Christ in us that makes us what we are. I keep saying that. It's so true. And he says it right here to him. Like, look, no, you weren't Jews. But in verse 9, we're going to take a read. You are a chosen generation. God picked you. God saved you for his purpose. You know, God saved you not just, just to be saved. I mean, it's like, I can't, the relationship part is just not arbored like it should be. Christ saved you for that relationship. And it's a relationship that drives you to go tell the lost and dying world because if he's alive in you, it's going to reflect on the outside of you. It's going to reflect. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. Used to the priest was the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies, but when Christ died, it rent that veil. It opened up. We stand in the presence of God himself. We don't have to go to anybody. We have a relationship that puts us here. We're a royal priesthood. If you know Jesus Christ, it's not about men. It's not about seeking through men. It's about the personal aspect of him being my God, him holding my hand and me holding his. You are a royal priesthood. You're not sitting as a member of North Etowah Baptist Church. You have keys. You're joint heirs with Christ if that don't excite you. You don't have to wait. I don't have to stand up here and preach. You have Christ in you. You are the holy of holies. You're a royal priesthood. And if that's in us, it should reflect on the outside of us. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. You're a people of purpose. You're purchased. He purchased you with his blood. That you, here's the outcome. Here's the outcome. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What's the outcome of it, guys? Ask yourself this question. What's the outcome of you knowing Jesus? He just told us what it should be. It's praise. It's honor. It's glory to him and him alone. God saved you. What's the outcome? See, you can come to church and look like you lost your best friend. No. What's that outcome? Where does, where does this transcend? Where does this go from here? 
If you're living a life in praise, honor, and glory to Christ, where does that end and where does that begin? It doesn't. It begins when Christ saved you, but it doesn't end. You can experience Jesus Christ now the same as when we get there. Because if He is alive inside of you, it's going to reflect on the outside. On the outside. It should carry from here to your job site. I'll tell you a story one time. I, I went into a church. I visited. I've been a couple for about 12 years. I went and played ball at Tennessee Tech. And I graduated. I took a job up there. I just stayed there. And I went into a church. And it is, it is a big church up there. And the, the song director was, you know, he was like you. Is that for you or for us? That's for you. Well, he was up there. And he was like, you know, he's waving going to town on, on that thing. And I, I mean, I catch myself bobbing my head trying to keep up with the, the hand and I looked over across the church and I mean it was just packed full of people young people everywhere first time I'd ever been there and I mean I was enjoying myself and I wasn't living for God I wasn't even living right I wasn't even close but I was sitting there and I was, all this on the outside I was trying to get up a good emotional stir of myself turn over a leaf some ignorant stuff that all humans do it you've done it don't act like you hadn't so I'm sitting there in that church and, and I look over to my right and I'm bobbing ahead and there's a dude right there I've been working with and my first thoughts was oh my gosh he goes to church. And then I look back over and he looked back at me and he went. And I thought, oh no. I wonder what he thought. I wonder what he thought. I seen him, I'm like, I can't believe this man goes, this man goes to church. And I bet he looked at me, he's like, there's Jake. He goes to church. And guys, that's sad, ain't it? It's my own life. Because what's on the inside should have reflected what was on the outside. Why didn't it? Why didn't it? Unrepentant sin. Sin in my life. You want to hide what God's given you on the inside? It won't be praise, honor, and glory to Jesus Christ. You'll be ashamed. And if you can live your life in sin and not be ashamed, you need to get saved. If you can live your life any way you want to and none of this bothers you, you need to get right with God. After that point, I left and I went off. And I thought about that. And I thought about it. And I thought about it. And it was one of the things that God did in my heart and my life that brought me to the repentance. Now, here we are. We're close. We're done. We're getting close. We're going we're to re repeat everything I just said in five minutes. Try to. The children of Israel. Well, they had a problem, didn't they? They were often looking to Christ. They were often looking to God. But what was the, one of their biggest problems? They kept looking back at Egypt, right? It's the same today. Now, when you get saved, Jesus Christ comes and lives in your heart and your life, and he changes you for all eternity. You still have these desires that are fleshly, but you don't have to fight it alone. Because Christ is there, and he will always be there. And the desires for him should outweigh the desires for this world if you know him. And if you truly know him, others will know that you know him. So they're walking, and they keep looking back, and they start cooking meals, and the food don't even satisfy them. They said, man, we want the onions, we want the garlic, we want all so, so the story for years is they just couldn't get Egypt out of them. And understand, sanctification is a process. Justification is immediately. You're justified. But sanctification is a process, and the outcome of that justification, we, First Peter, it's obedience. 
Obedience to Christ. We see that in the children of Israel. So they're walking, they're looking behind. They're walking, they're looking behind. They got problems, they're looking behind. They, everything's going wrong is them. Everything going right is God. And they walk and they get there and they say, all right, here's the land of Canaan. Go in and get it. So they send all those spies in there and two, all of them come back and say, nope, can't do it. Two of them come back and said, yeah, they're giants over there. Yeah, their cities are well fortified. But that's not the point. God doesn't give it to us. Well, they were on board, wasn't they? And the other ones were like, no, 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 no. What about our kids? Who's going to raise your kids? So they go 40 years, round and round. Uh, Moses dies. Joshua was one of the ones that came back and gave a good report. He's now in charge of everything. They're standing right there on the river, and for the first time in all those years, they're fixing to walk across, right? And so Joshua gets everybody lined up, and he says, all right, when the Ark of the Covenant comes through, you and your family... Get behind it. So they pass around. I mean, this isn't 10 people camping. You, you realize this is millions of folks. I mean, this is a stampede. This is a herd. Like, when millions of people walk through the same path, I mean, there's a divot in the ground where they come through. Millions of folks. And that Ark of the Covenant comes walking through, and everybody's in their family starts getting behind it, and they start following Ark of the Covenant, and the priests are carrying it. As soon as they get to the river, their feet don't even get wet. Their feet don't get wet. As soon as those dudes go step in that water, Bam. Splits, holds back. They walk across on dry ground. Walk across on dry ground. Millions of people. And they cross over. And then Joshua says to every man of, of, of every tribe, pick up a rock. Pick up a rock as you come across. So they pick up a rock and they go and they build an altar on the other side, on Canaan's side of the river. They stack up these stones. Y'all read the story. You know exactly where I'm going. They stack up. And they say, what's the stones for? And he says, that way, that way. When your kids come down here, when your grandkids come down here, when generations after generations look at this, they'll know what God did here. Y'all remember that story? Y'all remember the rest of it? Joshua went and got 12 stones himself, and he stacked them up in the middle of the river. Here's a good question. When they... Let that, when God let that water go and it flooded back, did anybody see the 12 stones in the middle of the river? No. What was the 12 stones in the middle of the river for then? Was that just Joshua's own little deal where they built their altar? I'm building mine. I mean, what did it mean? What did the 12 stones in the middle of the river accomplish? Nobody can see it. But I thought about it, and I just kept thinking about it. I kept thinking about it, and I think I'm asking the wrong question. Because, guys, it, it's not about what the 12 stones outside the river meant. See, because the 12 stones that we place on the outside point to the 12 stones that's on the inside. What we build on the outside points to what's on the inside. Those 12 stones wouldn't have meant nothing, wouldn't have bore any witness whatsoever had God not did what he did that day. This goes into the exact parallel of what we as Christians should be. The 12 stones on the outside don't even matter if there wasn't 12 in the middle of the river. If God had not brought them through at that point, what would the stones would have meant? It was just a pile of rocks that anybody could have defined any way they wanted to define. But there was 12 on the outside. It points to 12 on the inside. 
Because what's on the outside is a reflection of what's on the inside. And what's on the inside is going to show up what's on the outside. In 1998, uh, I think Mark McGuire, anybody remember him? Mark McGuire, uh, baseball, uh, Babe Ruth, he had a record 60 home runs in one season. And it was broken by Roger Maris. Is that right? Any baseball gurus? I think so. 61, yeah, that's right. It's a race. What did him Mickey Mantle? They made a movie about it. I wasn't there to see it, but uh, there was 61 home runs. Well, in 1998, Mark McGuire, he started embarking on that, on that number. He started embarking on, uh, he was getting closer. And then the race began. I think there was another gentleman by the name of Sammy Sosa. He started doing the same thing. He started, who's going to get there first? Who's going to get there first? Who's going to get there first? And then, bam, the record was broken. And then when he hit number 70, Number 70, just so unachievable, they thought. In 1998, Rawlings, down in the Dominican Republic, made a million baseballs that year. One million baseballs. Uh, average Major League Baseball, they buy just the, the, the majors, I think it's 200,000 balls. And then it goes into minors, and then it's from so on and so on. So my point is, there's a whole lot of baseballs coming out of that one factory. And would you know that every single one of those baseballs that come through that factory are just alike. No one baseball, I mean, really. I mean, I, I don't know what their error uh, is. I don't know what their numbers are. But, I mean, you know, there's quality control right there, I'm sure. And I'm sure they, that not every single baseball is identical to everybody. I'm not getting into that. But, I mean, there's a million of them that look the same, kind of talk the same, kind of are the same. I mean, no human beings are exactly alike. None of us. But, I mean, guys... It's not what a baseball is that makes a baseball special. What makes a baseball special? It's when Mark McGuire hit number 70. Out of all those millions of baseballs that are worth $5.96 a piece, one of them got in the hands of a pitcher that threw it at Mark McGuire and he hit number 70 out of the park. What was special about the baseball? Come off the assembly line. You know what that baseball sold for? Three million bucks. The five dollar ninety cent baseball. So what makes the baseball special? The actions that take place. What makes you special? You come right off of an assembly line. But before the world was even formed, he knew you. Before the foundations of the world, he knew you would be here today. And the actions that make us special aren't what we've done. It's what God has done in us. It's what God does through us. That's what the outside looking in looks like. Men of my flesh, there's no good thing. But if I know Christ as my Savior, I'm joining heirs to the throne. I'm as special as special gets. There's nobody that's been offered any more than I've been offered. Because I was offered the blood of my Savior and I accepted it. You can be that today. You can be that. You can be that. The stones in your life can show what you are on the inside. 
if they're on the outside. But beware. And don't let your pride consume you to the point you're so worried about what's on the outside that it's not real on the inside. It's Jesus Christ. Gosh, he's all that matters. I spent some years. Y'all remember the song, Hide It Under a Bushel? Hide it under a bushel, no. I sung that growing up, boy, I didn't live it. God saved me when I was five years old. People say it's too young. You've come by too late to tell me. And man, in my life, looking at it, man, he was there. His presence was there. It was real. And then I took steps in the wrong direction. God's not going to force you. But when he saves you, he gives you a repentant heart of love that makes you want to desire him. That's what's on the inside. And I went on my own way, and I took, chose my own path, and I done my own things. And I lived out of the will of God for years. But when I came back, he was there. He brought me back. And guys, I'm going to make a bold statement. You're not going to live your life the way you want to live it and know him. You're not going to. I can't, I can't see that for nothing. Guys, I can't. Nowhere in the scripture would back that up. I believe saved people go to heaven. I believe lost people go to hell. But I believe that people who know Jesus, there's a reflection on the outside of what's on the inside. I, I don't believe in counterfeits. I don't believe it any other way. I can't. Because if anybody tried to run away from this, it was me. And His grace wouldn't let me do that. I hope it's real. I hope we can learn from it. I hope your life is patterned after praise and honor and glory to Christ. I hope that you're not just trying to put on a show because your neighbors do. I hope that this is real. I hope this is life and death for you. I hope that this right here is where we're going to abide, that where we're going to stay. I hope that this is it for us. It's just like when he turned around and says, are y'all leaving too? And Peter says, we got nowhere else to go. That's the best place we could ever live. That's a reflection that what's on the inside is real. Lord, thank you. God, forgive me for my stammering lips. God, forgive me in my pitiful preaching. Lord, thank you for these strong convictions. God, I pray that your will be done anyway. I don't write the script. God, you do. But Lord, I, I want to be a light. I want people to see my life in, in complete. I want to be open. Lord, I struggle. I'm human. God, but I have no excuse that's greater than what your word tells us. If I'll draw nigh to you, you draw nigh to me. Lord, I want the world to see you in me. Not me for what I'm trying to be. But me for what you would have me to be. God, I pray. That everybody here, Lord, would search their own hearts and see where they stand. It's your precious and sweet holy name that we pray. Amen.